to work that out. Glad she could travel uh, with me. We left this morning about 8 o'clock and uh, took that six and a half hour, seven hour trip, got in about 3.30. Had a wonderful trip. Boy, we enjoyed our time together. I'd been away all last week and uh, not at home, so we had much to talk about. We read and just had a good trip and saw something we have never seen before in our life. Right here in Knoxville. I didn't know y'all let planes drive down I-40. Did you hear about that today? We were coming I-40 West. Traffic got stopped, stalling, and we thought there's a wreck. We looked up ahead and saw those lights flashing. Short enough, thought it was a wreck. Well, we got closer. The lights and flashing was on the eastbound lane. There was an airplane that had landed on I-40 going east. And you're talking about traffic backed up. It was backed up a long way. So we'd never seen that before. So our first experience in Knoxville, y'all have that happen very often here tonight? Y'all have landing strips here in I-40? But a very good trip up. Had a, a wonderful supper tonight at Corner 16. Okay. Rodney said that's where all the young people went. That's why it's called 16. I didn't know why we were there. But anyway, it was good food and enjoyed that. And then... <clears throat> had the chance to come and uh, look through the building, and boy, it's uh, beautiful. You're doing a good job. I think uh, our buildings do need to reflect the honor and the glory of our Lord and His orderliness and beautifulness, and uh, so uh, thank you for that. Walked up here. I like to kind of stand on the stage where I'm going to preach on, see what it's like, and uh, I noticed in front of me all the mic jacks and I guess a receptacle, and I thought, I'm glad it's in front of me. Now, I'll tell you a story. Years ago, you probably know this story, I went to a church to preach, and when I got up on stage, they had an electrical outlet right at my feet. Now, honestly, where you plugged in, right at my feet. And as I pre I was conscious of it as I moved around. Kid you not, that night while I was preaching, I, I, I split my britches wide open. And I always said what happened was I got my foot caught in that little stocking and spit my pants wide open, you know. So, uh, I'm sorry, you got heart failure tonight? So, I, I was thankful that uh, the electrical socket is in the front and not here. Uh, appreciate your pastor. He, he was my first youth pastor at uh, Union Chapel, Freel Baptist Church, when I started pastoring there in eighty. When did I start there? 87. When did you come? 90, 92. He was my first youth pastor. Uh, stayed with me for a year and a half. And he plowed a good road. You know, first are not always easy. And um, he did a, a job well. And that paved the way for me to be able to have other youth ministers in while I was there. <clears throat> and so I do appreciate uh, his work in ministry with me uh, there. And we've been certainly... Uh, friends um, since then. appreciate his dear wife too there. Well, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you will turn there with me tonight. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. And this uh, is the passage we'll be in. There'll, there'll be one other verse I'll ask you to turn to in the introduction, and that's in the book of Ephesians. But this is the passage we'll be in tonight, so you'll be able to keep your Bible open right there. And if you have your Bible with you, say a good amen. amen. It may be on a tablet or phone or the book, but how important it is for us to bring the Word with us 
when we come uh, to God's house. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to ask, if you would, in respect to the Word, to stand with me tonight as I read these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look with me beginning in verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, and have made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an ear, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set, the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased Him. Now, turn to verse 27, and I want us to read verse 27 together. Verse 27, ready? Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And you may be seated. Now, there's no doubt <clears throat> that the human body has been wonderfully made by our Lord. He is the Creator. Uh, when King David thought about the body, he wrote in Psalms 139 and verse 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. Now, I know there are many people who do not believe this, but our body was made by our God. It's His work. But there is another body which God has put together in a very wonderful way, and that's the body of Christ. Now, when I speak about the body of Christ, I'm not talking about the literal physical body of Christ, but could I just say that Jesus Christ did have a literal physical body? John chapter 1 verse 14 says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We're reminded by Paul in the book of Philippians that he took on the form and the likeness of man. And by the way, I'm glad that he did. Because the Bible teaches us that it was in that body on the cross that he bore our sins paid our sin debt so that you and I might be rescued from the condemnation that was upon us and set free to life eternal. The Hebrews 10.10 10 says that it was through the offering of the body that Jesus Christ was able to save us. Uh, but tonight, as we have read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's not the physical body and literal body of Christ that I want to talk about. The word body here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is being used as a, a simile, a metaphor, a, a picture of something. And what it is a picture of is of the church. 
the church is the body of Christ. The church meaning you. As a matter of fact, look in Ephesians, and this is the other verse I was going to ask you to look at with me. Look in Ephesians chapter 1. And notice what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. And look in verse 22 and verse 23. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. And hath put all things under His feet, meaning Jesus, all things under Jesus' feet, and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His what? body. Now you see this, this matter of the church being referred to as the body of Christ. Several other places in the scriptures. You see it in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12 where the Bible says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And it's not talking about building up Christ's literal body. It's speaking about building up the church. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18 says, And He is the head of the body, the church. And then the verse that we read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 27, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. So all through the Bible what we're told here is that the church is not a building, it's not a denomination, it's not a location, but rather the church is a body. And that verse says, you are that body. So from this passage tonight, I want to talk to you about the church, the body of Christ. First of all, I want you to notice your placement in the body. How do you become a part of the church, the body of Christ? Look at verse 13 at what the Bible says. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew, Gentile, whether we be bond or free. Now if you're not careful, immediately your eyes are going to go to that word baptism in this verse. And it would be easy for your mind to go to the matter of water baptism. And if that is true, then the conclusion you might come to is that the way that you're placed in the body of Christ or the church is through water baptism. And could I just say tonight, nothing could be further from the truth. Baptismal regeneration is a heresy. Now, water baptism is important. And a matter of fact, if you're a Christian, if you're a true follower of Jesus Christ, and you have not been baptized, you are a disobedient believer. And the Bible commands us to be baptized. Baptism is that physical act where a person is placed in the water, submerged, put down into the water, not sprinkled, but put down into the water. And it has many beautiful pictures and truths are taught to us by that particular uh, act. But you don't see that taking place in this passage right here. You see, what places you and me in the body of Christ, the church, is not water baptism, but spirit baptism. 
And that's a phrase that many times in a Baptist church you don't hear people talk about. But the Bible does teach spirit baptism. You see, there, there is one body. Matter of fact, the Bible says here four times in this passage, there is one body, many members, but only one body. And all of those to get in that body are placed there the same way. By the Spirit. Not water baptism, but spiritual baptism. You get into the body of Christ, the church, not through a physical act, but through a supernatural act. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit did to you. Matter of fact, that phrase, we are all baptized, is a past action verb indicating a particular event in a moment of time. And that event or that moment of time in my life and in your life was when you realized that you were a sinner and that Christ Jesus paid your sin debt on the cross and you called out upon Him asking Him to save you and you put your faith and trust not in what you did but what Christ did in atoning for your sins on the cross of Calvary. And at that very precise moment, the Holy Spirit of God not only birthed you into the family of God, but He baptized you, brought you into union with Christ and into the body of Christ. That was spirit baptism right there. That's how you are placed into the church, the body of Christ. So tonight, my first question to you is, have you been spirit baptized? Have you put faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're saved? Look folks, and I say this sincerely. You cannot get this matter wrong right here. You have got to know that you are saved and saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Faith and trust in Him. You don't get a second chance after you die. You're not going to make the exception go to heaven and say, Oh, Lord, I thought I had. Will you excuse me and let me on in? Oh, yeah, you're such a good guy anyway. No, there's not going to be any of that. You cannot get this wrong. So I say, before I say anything else tonight, if you are not 100% sure that when you take your last breath on this earth that you are going to go to God's heaven, you need to settle that tonight. Tonight. Because the Bible teaches you can have a no-so salvation. It's not waiting till I go, die, see if Jesus is going to put my good deeds over here, my bad deeds over here. And if my bad deeds outweigh my good deeds, I'm going to hell. My good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, I'm going to heaven. No, no, that's not biblical. You settle it here and now. Your placement into the body of Christ, the church, it's through spirit baptism. The work of the Holy Spirit regenerating you in your life. But secondly in this passage, I see your position in the body. Now all through this passage, the physical body is being used to bring out truths about the church or the body of Christ. Look at verse 14 if you would. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, 
because I am not the hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were the hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God, and read that next word with me, ready? Set. Say it again, ready? Set. Now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Now that word set, I emphasize that because that's, a, that's an important word in this passage. It's a word that means to carefully arrange, to place in a specific location. Now, you know, I mentioned that God was the creator of our body, and didn't He do a wonderful job? I mean, look, just how logical the body is when you look, when you look at this body, how logical it is. <laughs> at what God has done and how He has arranged every part. But to be honest with you, if you and I, as man or woman, had put the body together, I don't know if we'd been as smart as what God was. I mean, you think about it. The most important part of our body is our brain. And if you and I had created the brain, we would have put it on display, you know? We would have wanted everybody to see. I mean, look, folks, it's the most important part of your body. It's responsible just about for everything that you do. And you and I would have displayed it. God didn't display it. You see, He covered up with a one quarter inch thick skull that has not just your mom and daddy, but the doctor says is as hard as a coconut. And then he covered it with skin and put hair, well, well, some of us, you know, he put hair on it, cover it up. You and I probably would not have done that. And think about our eyes. God has put them in the front so we'll see where we're going, not in the back so we see where we've been. And he put them in the front here, not on our knees, because if they're on our knees, look what you would be looking at right now the back of your chair and then sunk them into our skull put lids over them to cover them for protection and then think about our ears God put them on the side of our head aren't you glad he didn't put them underneath your armpit I mean when somebody would ask you something or say something to you you'd say I'm sorry what did you say and we all be standing up like this now listening to the preacher with our arms up in the air God was smart think about him where he put your heart your lungs your kidneys, behind that rib cage, that protective cage to protect all those vital organs. And the strongest bone you have, he put in your legs in order to hold your weight. And at the end of that bone, put two flat things so that we would not wobble. Oh, look folks, God not only made the body in a marvelous way, but he set every member in its order exactly where it ought to be. What a mighty, mighty God He is. Matter of fact, Psalms 119 verse 73 says, Thy hands have made me, created me, and fashioned me, or put me together. But now wait, listen. I remind you that when the writer is writing about this and using the physical body, he is trying to teach some spiritual principles about the spiritual body or the body of Christ, the church. And hear me now. Just as God has set every member in the physical body, He has also set every member in the church 
or the spiritual body. Now, I believe that every true New Testament church, and not every church is a true New Testament church. I believe every true New Testament church like Hardin Valley here is a microcosm of the church or the body of Christ. And just like God has set you in the church, the body of Christ, I believe He has also set or placed or arranged you here in this local church as well. Now I know you chose this church and joined this church on your own free will. This is the church you chose to be a part of. But in God's sovereign plan, He has set you here. He has placed you here. This is a place God has ordained for you to be in this body. And Brother Rodney, I believe every member ought to believe that. Because I believe if every believer, a member believed that, that God has set me here, it'd make you more serious about your church membership. It'd make you more faithful to the place God has set you in. It'd make you more active, more dedicated, more involved. If I just realized, though this is where I chose, I know God has set me here in this place. Matter of fact, I want you to say that with me. God has placed me here. Say that with me. Ready? God has placed me here. You need to believe that. He has set you here. You see, in this, this church you may be an ear, an eye, a foot, an arm, a leg, or a toe. But He has placed you here. And with that, I want you to realize, two, I want to tell you two vital truths. Believing and knowing that God has placed me here. Here's the first one. Everyone who is a member or who in future becomes a member needs to know that since God has placed you here, you are important. God has placed me here and I am important. You see, nobody needs to underestimate the importance of them being in the body of Christ, the church. Everybody is somebody, and everybody is important. Now, I didn't just say that. That's what you see in this passage right here. Look again with me, if you would, in verse 15 through verse 18. Paul, in this passage, is somewhat humorous because he's personifying two body parts. He's personifying the foot and the ear. And both of them say, I am not of the body. Look at verse 15 again. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Now again, both those body parts say, I am not of the body. And actually that phrase is an indication of a feeling of insignificance. What the foot and the ear are verbalizing is actually somewhat of an inferiority complex. This is what they're saying. 
No one thinks that I'm important or significant at the church. I have very little to contribute to the ministry. I'm a nobody in my church. I have so little compared to, or I'd rather be doing this than doing something else. You see, Brother Wright, I think a lot of church members kind of feel that way. I'm not really important there. Now, now listen, please, and I say this with, with kindness and with love. So oftentimes behind those kind of statements and that type of feeling is really the spirit of comparison and jealousy. You're comparing yourself with others and you feel jealous of them and what they may be able to do or perform. You see, the foot in this passage, I believe, has looked at the hand and is covetous of the hand's prominence. As a matter of fact, you think about the hand. We keep the hand in the public all the time. The hand's always in the limelight. But where's your foot tonight? Your foot's covered up, isn't it? Not only with a sock, but with a shoe also. We usually keep it under covers. You see, we rarely permit the foot to go out in public. You know, we, we manicure the hands, we, we paint the fingernails, we put on jewelry. The hands are those that play the instruments, use the scalpel, perform so many wonderful things. And even in a church business meeting, we say, all in favor, raise your what? Foot. We don't say that, do we? We say, raise your hand. So it's no wonder the foot is jealous, right? Because there's so much prominence with the hand and the foot is covered up and not seen. But could I ask you a question tonight? Have you ever had your foot to be harmed or hurt? Have you ever sprung your ankle, torn your Achilles heel? Do you realize it takes over 200 muscles for the foot to walk about? You see, what you realize is when you're not able to use your foot, you realize how important your foot is. Amen? You see, in reality, the foot is very important. There's no need for the foot to be saying, I can't do anything. I'm not important. I'm not as prominent or as important as anything or anybody else. And look, so many times, that's how people feel within the church. Hear me tonight. If God has called you and placed you in this church to be a foot, the only thing He expects you to do is stop complaining and become the foot of the church. Do whatever it is God has called you to do and gifts you to do. Don't be jealous and compare yourself or maybe somebody else that's outside in the limelight and seen more. You just do what God wants you to do because God has placed you here. You are important and you have a place to serve. Everybody needs to realize that. If God has set you here and He has, you are important. There's no need to be feeling inferior. But there's a second truth. And the second truth is that every member or future member needs to know that since God has placed them here, you are not only important, but everybody else is as important as you are. You see, again, as there is none that are inferior 
there are none that are superior. And just like we should not underestimate ourselves, you also should not overestimate yourselves. No one is inferior and no one is superior. Everybody has their place and everybody is important. Now again, I don't just say that. That's what you see in this passage. Look again at verse 21 and verse 22. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Now again, here's Paul comically doing that personification of the body and the eye is telling the hand that they are not needed. You are unimportant to me. I don't need you at all. I can do it all on my own. I can do it all myself. Now can you imagine? Can you imagine this morning when you got up to eat breakfast and you looked at that wonderful breakfast sitting on your table and your eyes started causing your juices just to run crazy, and you were ready to eat it, and all of a sudden your hands took off and didn't become part of breakfast time. Or you come into church tonight, and you're looking down the road, and you see that turn ahead, and instead of you being able to grab that steering wheel, your hands were gone. You say, preacher, that's crazy. I know. And that's, I believe, what Paul is trying to get across in here. How crazy it is for the body, any part of the body to say, I can do this all on my own. I don't need you. But we do the same thing in the church. The very same thing in the church. You see, when somebody says, I don't need to go to church. Or somebody says, I don't need anybody's help. Or somebody says, we don't need any more members around here. Or I can do everything. Look, those are the feelings of superiority and spiritual pride. And look, folks, there's nothing God hates worse than spiritual pride. The Bible says in Romans 12, 3, To every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. There are no big eyes and no little U's in the body of Christ. God has set you here. And you, I don't care who you are, you are important. And so is everybody else that's a part of this body. Now just as the physical body is made up of various parts with many functions, so is the church body made up of many and various people with many and various functions. So tonight, what is your purpose in this body? What is your responsibility as a part of this body? Well, again, in this passage, you see three 
And I just want to point them out to you quickly tonight. Look at what verse 25 says in this passage. Verse 25 says that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Now, first of all, one of the purposes in this body that you have is to promote unity. Did you notice that it says that there should be no schism in the body? That word schism is a word that means division. It's actually a butcher's term which means to be divided into pieces. Now, there is a movie (laughs) that I have seen probably a dozen times. I can remember even as a little kid, sometimes hiding up underneath my bed and looking down the hallway to the TV, black and white TV, and seeing it on because there's a movie that scared me to death. The Wizard of Oz. Anybody ever seen The Wizard of Oz? Raise your hand if you have. Well, if you remember, there's a part in that movie, The Wizards of Oz, where the wicked old witch of the West sends her flying monkeys to go get Dorothy and Toto. Remember? Fly, fly, fly! Those old monkeys fly. You see, you remember? Those little flying monkeys. Start flying away. You know, and they start flying. And all of a sudden, there's a, just a herd of them flying in. And boy, they're fighting the tin man, fighting the scarecrow, fighting the carrier to the line. Finally, they pick up Dorothy and take her away. And finally, they pick up Toto and take him away. And they're all gone. And here's a tin man running and the cowardly lion. And you remember where they run to? They run to the scarecrow. And there's the scarecrow. And the scarecrow says, Oh, they took my body and threw it over there. And they took my legs and threw it over there. And he was all broken and divided up. You remember that? That's schism. That's the division of the body. And that's exactly what Paul says should not take place in the body. You have a responsibility in this body to promote Unity. You see, that's why we need to get it straight. There's nobody inferior. There's nobody superior. Jew or Gentile, bond or free, they're all placed in the body the very same way. There should be no schism in the body. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know what I believe? I believe every church member wants unity. They know the importance of it. I believe every church member wants a church that pulls together and works together and works in harmony. But look, you have to do more than want it. Ephesians 4 says, endeavoring. And that's an action word. Putting forth genuine effort. And you do that by having a, a spirit of love and forbearance, and mercy, and forgiveness, and tolerance, and kindness, and forbearing with one another in the body. You see, it's our, God brings the unity. We're responsible in keeping that unity. Your church is no different than any other church. Your church is made up of different personalities. Different views and different ideas, different background, different looks, and different quirks. Amen? Past failures and past struggles in all of our lives. 
And because we are all different, you and I have to deliberately and intentionally work out keeping the unity in the Spirit. But brethren, behold how good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Look, look at verse 24 of this passage just quick. Look at what he says here. Interesting what he says. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together. That word tempered is an interesting word. It means to mix together. It's actually an artist word, meaning the mixing of colors together. It's a harmonious blending of things. And again, you look at the physical body and how God has done that. He's made that head and blended in with the ears and the nose and the chin and the neck. He's blended in and tempered together the shoulders and the arms and the chest and the stomach and the hips and the legs. It look, look how it all blends together. And He's done that in the body as well. And now our job is to endeavor to work at the matter of unity and keeping that unity in the body. of That's your responsibility right there. To promote unity. But quickly, there's a second thing. Look back at verse 25. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Now there Paul reminds us that we are a unit and that we each have the responsibility of other body parts. Look folks, just like you wouldn't take an axe and cut off your hand, you shouldn't be hurting this body. You should be helping this body. Just like you shouldn't be tearing your physical body down. You shouldn't be tearing down this body, this church as well. You should be serving the body and helping the body and building the body up. If you study the physical body, you know that God has created it in some ways that it cares for itself. When the body hurts, there are other body parts that go into action to try to comfort that body. You think about the temperature that you have sometimes. You know, sometimes it's not good to get that temperature down. You know why? Your body's working to get some type of infection. Yeah. You think about coagulation. When you cut sometimes your body and it starts bleeding, there are mechanisms that takes place now to try to start clotting that body. You think about your immune system. Built to ward off infection. Skin on your body is there to prevent infections. Antiacids and mucus and antibodies in our stomach to ward off wrong bacteria. God has created the physical body in many ways to help take care of itself. And that's the way He's created the spiritual body as well. We are to be taking care of one another. And boy, doesn't the Bible have a lot of emphasis on that phrase, one there is a ministry there for every person in the church to carry out the one another in the scriptures. Be at peace with one another. 
Wash one another's feet. Love one another. Be kindly affectionate to one another. Live in harmony with one another. Don't judge one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. Greet one another. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Forbear with one another. Be kind to one another. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Spur one another on to good works. All those are things taking care of the body. Look, you in some way ought to be evangelistic, reaching out to this community, trying to bring in the sinners. But I'll tell you what, you have a responsibility to one another too. You are your brother's keeper. Mutual care. Investing in one another to help and edify and build. That is your responsibility as a part of this body. Right here. Promote unity. Practice mutual care. And then the last thing is to participate in the activities of the body. Look at verse 27 quickly with me if you would. Verse, I'm sorry, verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? The whole were hearing, where were the smelling? Now, do you know why the body has so many members on it? This body has so many members because there are so many things this body needs to do. This body needs to smell. No, no, wait, I didn't say, that didn't quite sound right, did it? The body needs to smell good. But I mean, the body needs, you know what I mean. So if it's going to smell, it's going to have a what? That's good. That's the right answer, brother. I need to know. If the body's going to smell, it's got to have a nose. If it's going to hear, it's got to have what? Ears. If it's going to see, it's got to have eyes. If it's going to walk, it's got to have legs. This body's got to produce blood. It's got to digest food. It's got to regulate temperature. It's got to blink. It's got to eat. It's got to carry oxygen. It's got to filter impurities. It's got to level sugar. This body has a lot of things to do. And this body does not have one member in it that can do all the things that this body needs to do. Now think with me for a moment. Can you imagine... You're a body without one of its body parts. And it doesn't function like it should. A number of years ago, I was upstairs in my bonus room. I was sitting in my chair. I was watching TV. And I was sitting with my leg up underneath me like that. And I was sitting probably watching a ball game. I don't really know what I was watching. But it was time to get up. So I got up and I went, What the world? I tried to get up, and I thought, where's my leg? I couldn't feel my right leg. You ever, you, anything ever going to sleep on you like that? Yeah. That thing was so numb, I couldn't use it. I had to shake it. I had to get it going back in with circulation. It was, you ever fall asleep like this, and you wake up in the morning, and you're, oh, you're kind of like that? You know? That ever happened to you? Can you imagine a stroke victim? who has a stroke, and they're paralyzed on their right side and now cannot use their right arm and their right leg. It's there, but it just doesn't function. Now, you answer. 
can that body do what that body ought to do? No. Because the body parts are not functioning. I believe tonight COVID gave the church a stroke. And a lot of members are not functioning in the body as they ought to be functioning. And thus the church, the body, cannot do and accomplish and achieve all that God has designed it and wants it to achieve. Because your responsibility as a part of the body is to participate in the actions and duties of that body. Just like my nose is designed to smell. That, that's his job. It's not my ear's job. And, and hear me tonight. He's only part of this body. And he's not even the head of this body. Christ is the head. He's only a part. He cannot do what the ear is supposed to do. He cannot do what the foot is supposed to do. He cannot do what the kidney is supposed to do. He's one man. God's gifted him with talents and responsibilities. But he cannot do it all. And if God has set in this body you, then you are important and you have a place and a service to render. And if you're not functioning as a part of this body, this body is not operating to its fullest potential. And boy, in this day and age, we need body parts to work. You are the body of Christ, the church. And God has called you to more than be a spectator. He's called you and placed a responsibility on you to be a participant. Now tonight, I don't know if you're a foot or a hand or an eye or an ear. But everybody in this room, God has given talents to and God has given spiritual gifts to. And that's a whole different subject and matter. But He has endowed you with some special ability to serve Him, to reach the laws, to edify the saint, and to build up those that, that need encouragement. And I hope you're functioning as the body part God has called you. God needs churches to operate as a true New Testament church. And that is with Him as the head and we as His members caring for the work of our Lord. I, I want to I beg you tonight, I want to encourage you tonight to not look at anybody else, compare yourself to anybody else, or be jealous of anybody else. But commit yourself, Lord, you have set me here. I believe that more than ever. And Lord, if you have, then I'm important. And I have a place and I have a part. I may not know exactly where that is, but I'm going to find out. I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to get counsel from my past. I'm going to be a volunteer. But I'm going to invest myself in making this body right here function as it ought to function. Would you, would you make that commitment to God? Would you be willing to do that?
Preacher, I don't know. That involves, yep, that involves, you're right. Name what it involves. It involves it. It involves time. It may involve money. It may involve effort. It may involve sacrifice. Yeah, you're right. But folks, will you be reminded, we're working for the King of kings and Lord of your Lord. We're working for a kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. All this one day is going to pass away. It's going to be gone. And only what we've done for Christ will last. Commit yourself today to be the best member in the body that you can well, Father, first of all, thank you for saving us. And thank you, Lord, that we're all saved the very same way. There are not many truths and many paths. There's one way, and that's through Jesus. And as we repent and turn to Him, Your Holy Spirit does the miraculous regenerating work in us and births us into Your family and baptizes us into union with You and into your body. We are the church. And oh Lord, thank you for these people. These have to be good folks who would be out on a Saturday night. But I pray for them tonight. Lord, I pray if they're involved and committed, they will recommit. I pray if, Lord, they've just been lazy as of late. If COVID has put a stroke in them, Lord, I pray you're awakened the body tonight and the members of the body tonight. May they, Lord, be as united as they ever have been to set out to serve this community and to serve and please you in building your kingdom. I pray in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed.